so it was a summer evening. It was a thunderstorm that just suddenly erupted. And this young mother was putting uh, her little boy to bed. And uh, she was about to turn the lights off when uh, from his quivering lips, he said, he said, Mommy, could you sleep with me tonight? And she, she gave him a big smile and a reassuring hug and comforted him and, and said, Sweetie, I have to sleep with Daddy tonight. And there was a thunder in the, in the background, and then the silence was broken through his quivering lips, and he says, that big sissy? <laughs> you know, from the time that, when, the, the time that we're children, we, uh, we're, we're taught to be strong. You know, don't be afraid. Don't be scared of the dark, if you come from Brooklyn. You know, don't be afraid. Uh, be happy. You know, uh, everything is going to be all right. And, and, you know, our parents, our, our siblings, all encourage us to, to be strong. And uh, I want to I say this, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you, it's not an option to be strong. You, you are commanded to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But the the amazing thing is that when God gives a command to do something, he also gives you the grace and the ability to do it. So I want to talk to you this morning about about the art of being strong. Last time I spoke, I spoke about the art of of being still. And and, and in the same kind of inference, when when an artist begins to craft and and hone and develop and practice their skills, so, so we as followers of Jesus... We, we, we need to practice and hone and develop our skill of being strong. And I want to emphasize, it's in the Lord. Uh, it is in his might, not, not human strength, but it's the discovery. It's discovering the secret of, of how to become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning and you're here, you've made it out this morning, we want to tell you we're so glad that you're here and we're excited that you're, you're giving this a shot. And uh, we just want want to say this, that Jesus has an answer for every human need and every human condition. And we want to point you to him today, that he has an abundant supply of all that you need, especially in the area of of strength. Jesus himself knows what it's like to, to pray to his heavenly father that he would be strengthened for the task before him. So the, the first question that we want to kind of ask and try to answer this morning is simply this. Why is it so important to be strong in the Lord? Why is it so important to be strong? And secondly, how can we become strong in the Lord? So, so the why and the how is our task this morning. I want you to check out our first photo this morning on the screen, if you would put that up. Isn't that the most adorable little boy you've ever seen in your life? I'm not telling you, he is like the cutest little thing in that little suit that his mother made for him. I mean, he is the cutest kid ever. That's what his mother, my mother, felt about me. Yeah, that, that's me next to our large screen TV Back in 1951, would you believe that? My, my iPad is a bigger screen surface than that TV. And of course, it was a black and white TV with a knob that you, if you wanted to change the channels, which you probably had about half a dozen channels, you had to go over and manually turn it, you know? Uh, but uh, that, was, that was TV, and, and, and t- TVs have progressed. If you would show us the next photo, please. 
Is that not the most precious little girl you've ever seen in your life, which is what, he, which is what her father believes of her, Kelly, my little girl, who is eating the remote, which explains why the remote control was missing a lot in our house. For some reason, Kelly was fascinated with that. And if you could notice, the screen got a little bit bigger. You know, but listen, I, I, just to show you how, how TVs have progressed, I, I saw this advertisement for the Super Bowl at PC Richards. I don't know if you've seen this, but they're advertising a 65-inch TV. And, and they, they will throw in a 40-inch TV, buy one, get one free, 65-inch TV, right, which is about an inch or so taller than my wife, how, how things have progressed. But, but let me say that it, it's not so, so much that the TV's size has changed, and of course, they've added color and all this other stuff. It, it's, it's the cultural impact it's had upon the programming that has really made a, a tremendous change over the years. You know, I, I tell you, I, I am flawed by what passes for entertainment today. Some of the reality shows, I mean, I, Hordes, it's just, I can't watch it. You know, it's just, and, and there's so many other reality shows. I, I just long for the good old days of Ozzy and Harriet. You know who Ozzy and Harriet were? Ozzy and Harriet, and, 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 and if you could put that up there, Ricky and, and Dave. I wanted to be Ricky when I was growing up. Ricky Nelson, I mean, he was so cool, you know. Wanted to be like him, had a haircut just like him. And, and listen, who doesn't love Lucy, right? Remember Lucy? I love Lucy. Yeah. Who, I mean, Ricky Ricardo, the, the Mertzes. Those days were a whole lot simpler back in the 50s and, and 60s. But I want to say this. The most popular form of entertainment in the 50s, 60s, and even into some of the 70s, like for two and a half decades, anybody know what the most popular TV show was? Or shows or, or type of series it was? I tell you, it was the Western. America was in love with Westerns. We, we, love, we love our shoot-em-ups. We, we love our Westerns so much. I mean, I could, I could rattle off probably a dozen uh, TV shows, you know, Wagon Train, you know, uh, Cheyenne, uh, Bonanza. I mean, they, even, they still run episodes of Bonanza on, on some, some networks. Uh, one of the best actors ever was Steve McQueen. He had a show called Wanted Dead of Her Life. Anybody remember the show called Have Gun, Will Travel? Paladin, the guy who didn't have a face for TV, but he was a wicked gunslinger, you know? Uh, I mean, th- there were so many great shows. I don't know if you know this, but the, the guy who directed... Uh, American Sniper, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clint Eastwood. He, he, he started in acting on a show, a series called Rawhide. I mean, th- th- these were like the heroes of America. We were in love with Westerns. We, we sang about Westerns, you know, Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett was the king of the wild frontier. Are you kidding me? He, 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 he was born on a mountaintop of Tennessee, killed a bear when he was only three. I mean, I could go on, but I, you know, I got to move along, you know. But but we, we sang about we we loved westerns so much. We sang about westerns uh, in the '60s. There there was a, a, a an R&B group by the name of the Olympics that that had a hit song, "My Baby Loves a West Bang Movie," bang bang, and all of the sound effects. Anybody remember that? Yeah, you're dating yourself too. All right, so 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 we we sang about it, and 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 then there was the there was the singing cowboys. Come on, I know some of you remember the singing. 
you may not be as old as me, but you're probably close to it. You remember Roy Rogers and Dell Evans? At the end of every episode, well, what do they sing? Happy trails to you until we meet again. Was it cheesy? Yes, it was, but we loved it. But maybe the most cheesiest of all the Western songs that kind of made its way through all of these Westerns was, was, was uh, a song about uh, the prairie, uh, home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope roam, where seldom is heard a discouraging word and the skies are not cloudy all day. Remember that? Wait, wait, back up a minute. I want to hold, hold on a minute. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word, where, where, where there's no storm clouds in the skies all day. No wonder why the Western went the way of the dinosaur to extinction, because that's not reality. I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing lots of discouraging words experiencing lots of discouraging things. And, and, and that is more of a reality. Uh, cloudy skies, you know, storms in our lives, that really kind of sums up what, what our experience is. But, but all these heroes, right, uh, that, that we knew about in terms of the Western, they weren't real. Uh, they were imaginary. But God has true heroes. And I want to tell you something about some of the heroes that we can find in Scripture. See, I believe that one of the reasons why we need to be made strong is because we're, we're living in stressful times. We're, we're living where, where there's 10,000 reasons to be discouraged. But there's a, great, a greater reason to be encouraged and to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There, there, there's an urban legend, a kind of rumor, kind of a myth, a, a story about Satan. Satan, our arch enemy, had this desire to upgrade his weapons in his arsenal, bring it into the 21st century. He's been around a long time and he's been harassing Christians for, for, for all these centuries, but he wanted to upgrade his, his weapons. And, and so he had a tag sale. And so he was selling out all of his unwanted, you know, devices and weapons. And, but yet there was this one case in which there was this one weapon and it had a big sign on it that said, not for sale under any circumstances. And if you went over to that cabinet and you looked closely, it would have the label of it, discouragement. See, the enemy has successfully in the past used discouragement to, to, to bring a halt or an attempt to halt the work of God. Some of the great heroes of faith in, in the Bible, J- Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet who, who has greatly discouraged. Uh, Elijah, talk about Elijah. Elijah did these tremendous exploits for God, and yet he sat down underneath a tree and he prayed that he might die. I mean, even in, in church history, we have men like Martin Luther, the great reformer, who was greatly discouraged. Charles Spurgeon, the, the, called the Prince of Preachers, for years struggled with discouragement. But I tell you what, there's a, there's a better way for us. And of all the, all the people that we could possibly talk about to, to kind of get inspiration from, the, the, is, is the, the man who was a, a warrior, he was a king, he was a soldier, he was a poet, he was a, he was a songwriter. His name is David. And David is the one who wrote, many are the afflictions, the difficulties of the righteous. But he discovered this, but the Lord rescues him out of them all. 
David discovered the secret of becoming strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And again, I want to stress, it's his might, it's his strength that we want to be strong in. This is not a self-helps message. This is a, this is a how to become strong in God. And David wrote this. He said, and you know what? When, whenever we read the Psalms, it's like peering over somebody's shoulder, looking into them, writing in their journal. And the songs that, that David wrote were, were expressions of the emotions and the experiences that he had gone through. And David wrote this. He says, by my God, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. By my God, I can bend a bow of steel. He said, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. He's my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? These confessions of faith and and confidence in God came from his ability to draw strength, internal strength from the Most High God. See, we have an adversary who wants to exploit the disappointments that we experience in life, and every one of us, could raise our hand and say, yeah, I've been disappointed in that area. I've been disappointed in in this area, in the area of health, in the area of relationships, in the area of finances. I mean, you you, you name it. There are are 10,000 different reasons why we sometimes can easily become discouraged. But but here's, here's the thing. Disappointment that leads to discouragement that is unresolved and undealt with and unconquered can easily lead to despair. And despair always leads to defeat. But God has something better for you and I. And perhaps when we consider David this morning and how he learned the art of being strong, maybe we can be inspired as well as we look into the life of David this morning. I love one of the things in in stressing this. This is God's strength, excuse me, not ours. Uh, A couple of weeks ago when, when Doug, excuse me, Doug had made a comment about uh, Samson. Great point uh, was that Samson wasn't, wasn't built like uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not where his strength came from. The, his strength came from the fact that the Spirit of God would come upon him and enable him or infuse him with strength. And that same Spirit of God can come upon us and infuse us and fill us with strength as well. So I want us to look at one of the darkest days of David's life. Uh, see how he handled it. See how the distressing events that, that he experienced. And, and you may be here this morning, and you may be able to relate to David. You know, m- maybe this is one of the darkest periods or seasons in your life as well. And, and you've come for direction, and you're looking to God for help. And I want you to know that God is an ever-present help in a time of need. Just don't let the enemy move you from disappointment to discouragement, and then to despair, and then ultimately to defeat. Here's here's the background of what we're looking at this morning. David has fled from the presence of Saul, King Saul, his his father-in-law. And uh, he has left Israel, and he is in hiding now because there's a price on his head. And he has... He has developed headquarters in the city of Ziklag. Ziklag had become his, his fortress and his, and his uh, headquarters. And about 600 men over a period of time joined themselves to David because they believed the prophecies over David that he would one day be established as king in Israel. And they were, they were hoping to tie their, 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 their hopes to, to, to David's being enthroned upon the nation. 
And so what they would do from time to time is that David and his soldiers would go out and they would protect Israel. They, they would go out and defend the homeland and then come back to the city. And on this occasion, when they're coming back to the city of Ziklag, they could see in the distance smoke rising up from the city. And the closer they got, the, the more they were able to, to see that the city was burning with fire. Their homes were being destroyed by fire. Something had happened, and when they ultimately get to that place, they discover that all of their wives and all of their children of the 600 men have been abducted. They've been, they've been carried off by who knows who to who knows where. And, and this is where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 4. And it says this, So David and his men wept aloud. This is how they reacted to the situation. They wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now I want you to imagine, you, you, you've not only lost everything that you have, most importantly, you've lost your family. You don't know where they are. Your, your, what was your home is now in ashes. And their reaction was, this grief that came over them to the point where they expended their strength in weeping to the point where they, they had no strength left to weep. They're probably in shock. Shock being moved then into grief and then grief being moved into anger as they began to talk amongst themselves. Why are we here anyway? You know, human nature has it that when things go wrong, you, you, look, you look to pass the blame on somebody, you know. You, you get into an accident during the day and your mind goes back to, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for this or if it wasn't for that or, or, or this happened. And, and so you, you naturally go to pass blame. But, but these men now, they, they, are, they are passing blame upon the leadership of David. They're saying, in essence, David, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. The loss of our wives and our children and all of our possessions. Now, 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 now this is what it says in verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Now, everyone is turning against David. Now, now listen, David had to suffer along with them the same losses, all of his possessions gone. His, his wives and, and children were gone as well. But now he's got the added burden, the pressure. I don't know if anything of this paramount nature has ever been anywhere near any of us. I doubt it. But now the very people who were loyal to David are talking about stoning David. Now I tell you, I've had conflict with people from time to time over the, over the many years of ministry, but, but no one has ever picked up stones to throw at me as far as I know. Or at least they never landed, you know? But I mean... We're talking about David's life being in jeopardy at this point. I mean, things cannot get any lower for David at this particular point. But I want you to notice what that little conjunction but says. But, as bad as things were, the, 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 the worst day of his life, but David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Another translation says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And again, another translation says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He received courage. He received strength to face the worst day of his life. And he did so because he understood the art of being made strong. I tell you what, David... 
shared the burden of leadership. He, 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 he knew what it was like to, to suffer for all of the people that had losses. But, but now here is probably, I mean, he's standing completely alone. There's nobody for him to rest upon, nobody for him to counsel with, nobody for him to lean on. And then you know what? That's not a bad place to be if we discovered that it's at that moment that we could put all of our weight fully upon the Lord who cannot fail, who is faithful. And listen, what I want you to understand carefully is this. Remember, I said there are two questions that we need to ask. We need to ask, why should we be strong in the Lord? Because we're living in stressful times. Because, because life has storms that rise up unexpectedly in each of our lives. So we, we, we need a strength beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves. We, we, need, we need a hero, like the song says. One who, is, one who is strong, one who is fast, one who is, is, is fresh for the fight. And, and sometimes there is no one else to stand with us. Like David experienced here. And so what do you do? What I want you to understand about the second part of our question is how did David become strong in the Lord and the power of his might? Is that the scriptures are, are somewhat, I don't want to say carefully, somewhat cryptic when it comes to how David encouraged, strengthened himself or found strength in the Lord. Meaning we're not given in this portion of scripture a clear understanding of how, but I believe that there's a reason for it. And one of the reasons is, listen, you, you, you don't find gold and precious stones on the surface. You've got to dig for it. And so, so the Lord asks us to search the scriptures and to dig and to search out the methods. And as I said a moment ago, we could peer over David's shoulder and look into his journal as he would write elsewhere about how he handled the stresses of life. First thing that we need to do is that David received strength from the Lord. That is, he connected to, to, to the omnipotent one, to the one who cannot fail. But he also did something that is very clear. In Psalm chapter 42, I want us to look at a couple of verses from the Psalms. Psalms 42 and verse 5 and 6 say this, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Notice what David is doing. He is speaking to himself. And he's asking himself, soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? There's a disturbance in the force. You know, why? And this is what he says. Like a, like a sailor who would set the sail in the direction that he wants to go. He says, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then David, just, he's just absolutely honest. He says, my soul is downcast within me. That is, he's struggling at this moment. Whatever David was going through at this moment, we could, we could also apply to that worst day in David's life. He says, therefore, the word therefore is so important because that, that's the sum of it. Therefore, he says, I will remember you. Now, it's not like, hey, I, I could forget about God. But to remember is to recall. It is to stir up within your mind the character of God, 
the nature of God, the attributes of God. What David began to recall, I, therefore I will remember you, is the, is the unchanging faithfulness of God, the loving kindness of God, that his love endures forever. David understood the attributes and the nature of God to the place where he could be able to draw strength now from, from a God who cannot fail, a God for whom all things are possible and nothing shall be impossible with God. And he began to stir up the power of hope in his heart by fixing his thoughts first upon God, then setting the sails of his soul toward having this hope in God. Listen, God can overrule evil and bring good out of evil. And this is what David began to remember. Remember the strength that I'm talking about this morning. It's not human strength. It's not, it's not I, oh, I just need to be a little bit strong. No, no. This is divine strength coming to us, to giving, giving us courage in the face of a hopeless situation. Here's a statement. I don't know if I put this in my, in my notes, but, but, but disappointments can become priceless, precious, when they lead us to discover the sufficiency of Christ. Let me say it again. Disappointments can become priceless when they lead us to discover the sufficiency of Christ. When you've been to the, to the bottom and there's no one else to lean on and you discover that you can come to the wilderness and lean upon the beloved, put all of your weight, put all of your, your being, casting all of your burdens upon him because he cares for you. There's a lot of talk about the Navy SEALs these days, especially in light of the movie uh, American Sniper. You know, Navy SEALs experience the the most uh, strenuous kind of training before they can become Navy SEALs. I mean, they spend hours and hours in freezing water. They spend hours and hours doing calisthenics, doing runs, and, and, and it's really difficult. And uh, the more difficult th- th- that it is, obviously, the, the, the more fatigued and tired you, you can easily become. But they have this thing where they have standards that you have to meet. Uh, and, and, and what it really is, is it's testing the mettle of an individual. It's, it's bringing them to the place of, of, of if, you, if you're going to quit, if you're going to leave, go ahead and ring that bell and go ahead and leave. And so every day they are, they are brought to the end of themselves and what happens is if you don't measure up to the standards of, of the timing and, and what you, all you're supposed to do, then you're required. Your name is put on a bulletin, and, and it's required that you would spend, after everybody else has taken a break at the end of the day, two more hours doing calisthenics, two more hours of grueling exercise. It's amazing. If you weren't tired before, you will be tired after the end of those two extra hours of calisthenics. And, 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 and what happens is, is that the next day you're obviously even more tired than you were the day before. And so your name probably got back up on that list and you had to do two more hours in the circus. But a, an amazing thing would begin to happen if you refused to quit. The guys who kept getting on that list and kept, and kept going that extra two hours of calisthenics every day they started to get stronger and they started to build up a resilience and a tenacity and that actually got stronger. I tell you what, this, this life is like one obstacle after another, one calisthenic after another. The storms of life come, but let me tell you this, if you, if you will not quit, if you will stick in there and you will put your trust in God, 
then you will come out of the wilderness stronger than when you went in. You'll come out leaning completely on your beloved. One or two more scriptures, and then we'll, we'll bring this message to a landing. Psalm 103 is another indication of what David did to, to cultivate this art of becoming strong. Listen to what he says. He says, bless the Lord, all you people. No. He says, bless the Lord, all my soul. Again, David is talking to himself. Let me tell you, you might think, well, you got to be a little crazy to talk to yourself. No, no, no. You're crazy if you don't talk to yourself if, when you see the benefits that David derived as a result of what it means to talk. I'm not talking about, oh, shut up. I'm talking to you now. I'm not talking about that kind of talking to yourself. I'm talking about talking to your inner soul when you're in the midst of a storm and a struggle and you, and you direct yourself to connect to God to the God who cannot fail. Listen to what he says. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget none of his benefits. Again, it's the same thing that he said in Psalm 42. It says, I will remember you. Forget none of his benefits. And I don't have the time this morning, but David goes on and lists about eight different ways in which God has blessed us. He's forgiven us of our sins. He healed our diseases. He crowns our head with loving kindness and tender mercies. And in other words, David is rehearsing in his heart all of the the kindness and the attributes and the, and the goodness of God. He is not focused on his problem. He is focused on his solution. And God is the source of his strength. This is the art of becoming strong in the Lord. This is the way that we gain courage to face whatever storm in this life may come at us. I want to say this too, that Praise is so important. If you've never developed a, a life of praise, you see, praise isn't about propping up a, an insecure creator. It's not like giving God a little TLC because he needs a little stroking. That's not the reason for praise. Praise was ordained and it was fashioned by God for our sake, not for his sake. God is in need of nothing. And so when God commands us to praise him, to, to, to let his praise continually be in, in our mouth, there's a reason for it. Let, let me show you the reason for it. Psalm 8, David wrote this psalm. He says, out of the lips of children and infants, the most vulnerable in society, out of the lips, out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have ordained, the word there is to fashion, like you would a tool, like you would a weapon, to fashion. You've ordained strength because of your enemies to silence the enemy and the avenger. It's, this is something God purposed for the sake of his children that this would become a mighty weapon. And let me tell you something. When we come over into the New Testament, and Jesus, Jesus quotes this very verse from, from Psalm chapter 8. Remember when they were in the city and they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he, comes in the name of the Lord. And they said, tell your disciples to shut up. No, Jesus quoted this. But what Jesus did was bring clarity to this whole understanding of what I'm talking about this morning. When Jesus said it like this, he says, out of the mouth of babes and infants, God, you have, you have fashioned, you've ordained praise out of their lips to stop the enemy. You see, 
I can give you example of example in, in the scriptures where, where praise would turn back the enemy. In the days of Jehoshaphat or in the days of Paul and Silas who were in prison, praise broke the, the, the spiritual atmosphere. And God has ordained that we become a people of prayer. I'm not talking about mindless utterances of phrases. I'm talking about heartfelt knowledge that God is good to us beyond anything that we could ever deserve. That it wasn't on the basis of our achievements or our accomplishments that God has saved us, but on the basis of his infinite mercy, he has called us into his kingdom. And when there's that that gratitude of realizing the grace of God has separated me, the grace of God has called me, the grace of God has, has given me eternal life, that begins to, to bubble out in, in praise. We cannot help but become people of praise. And this is what I discovered. I discovered that, that praise sets the attitude as well as the altitude of our hearts. Let me say that again. Praise, the things that come out of our mouth, that sets the attitude and also the altitude of our heart. Now, let me say this. As well, it's also, it works in the opposite. When, when there is murmuring and, and grumbling and complaining, that also sets the attitude and the altitude of our hearts. And, and I don't want that. I think this is brought out in an illustration I read in a book called, called Facing Giants by Max Licato. Maybe you've read the book. This is, this is what he says about the importance of the right attitude and words. This is what he said. Uh, he says, I discovered the importance of healthy counsel in a half iron man triathlon. This is after a 1.2 mile swim and a 56 mile bike ride. I didn't have much energy left for the 13 mile run. Neither would I. Neither did the fellow jogging next to me. I asked him, hey man, how are you doing? And I regretted posing the question to him. He said, this stinks. He says, the race is the dumbest decision I've ever made. And he went on to complain and complain and grumble. And, 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 and he, he, Max says he had more complaints than a taxpayer at the IRS. And I can relate. Listen, he says, he says, my response to him was to wave goodbye because I realized that the longer I listened to him, the more I would start to agree with him. He says this, I finally caught up to a 66-year-old grandmother. Her tone was just the opposite. She said, you'll finish this, she encouraged. It's hot, but at least it's not raining. One step at a time. Don't forget to hydrate. Stay in there. She says, I ran next to her until my heart was lifted up and my, and my legs were exhausted. I finally had to slow down. She says, no problem, and waved God goodbye as she kept on going. <laughs> now, which of the two would you rather be? I know that I would rather be the person that comes alongside of you and encourages you. In fact, that's what this message is all about, that you can find strength in God this morning. I don't care what you're going through. And you know what you're going through may be just as bad as what David had experienced that day. Because I tell you what, you know, God knows the, the, the trials. Sometimes the, when the trials are, are of a long duration, they are wearisome. No wonder why the Bible says, let us not be weary in doing what is good. So let's kind of reflect here for a moment. Here's my, here's my takeaway this morning. Praise and hope. 
I believe, cancels disappointments and conquers discouragement. Praise and hope. Set the sails of your heart. Hope in God. Don't forget any of his benefits. I will remember you when you're in the midst of the fire. I will remember a God of his unchanging faithfulness and his everlasting kindness and his absolute goodness. Now, I don't want to leave you in suspense what happened to the women and children. You know, they weren't killed and they weren't sold into slavery. David, David after he got this courage, said, Lord, shall I pursue? Shall I, shall I capture what was lost? And the Lord says, go ahead, go for it. And David and his men pursued and they, they got back every single person. Not one person was lost. Now, I don't know how things are going to turn out for you. But I know this. I know that God is unchanging in his faithfulness. And God is an ever-present help to those who put their trust in him. They will not be disappointed. God is able to bring good even out of what the enemy has meant for evil. Let your hope, let your trust, let your confidence be in the God who cannot fail, for whom there is no such thing as an impossibility. Remember his mercies. And you know what I believe? I believe if you have a history in God, that is, if God has shown you mercies in the past, those mercies are encouragement for present and future mercies as well. God's not finished with you. He that began a good work in you will bring that work to completion. Now, I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. I want to tell you, you've got options, but your options are all human. But I've got an option that is absolutely other, otherworldly. It is divine in nature. And that is to lean upon God who provides us with strength. The Bible says that he gives strength to those that, that are weak and to those that have none. He increases their might. How does he do that? Well, everything that I said this morning is the, what, is the art to being strong. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, in a minute we're going to pray. And, and I just want to ask you to, to consider inviting Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. He made a difference in my life over 40-something years ago, and I've never regretted one single day of following Jesus. I assure you that he can do the same for you. That, that day was, was a marked day of change for David. Everything changed that day for David. Your life can change today. Let's pray. So, Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we just want to pray one for another that we might be encouraged, but also want to just invite anyone that needs to receive Jesus Christ this morning. If, if you're here today and that applies to you and something that I've said is kind of just drawing you to Jesus, I mean, that, that's such good news. The angels rejoice. We rejoice with that. You start the conversation with the Lord, something like this, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Be the strength of my life. If you, if you would say that, just go ahead and share it with that with somebody at the end of the service. But I just want to pray for you and pray for everyone else as well. So Father, we... We pray that you would seal this word to our hearts this morning. God, you know that we are in desperate need of encouragement. We're, we're living in perilous, stressful times. 
And God, you have an answer for us. You, you will not forsake us. Like the song that we sang, you will never leave us nor forsake us. But we are encouraged in God. We are strengthened with the strength that you supply, for you supply all of our need by your riches and glory in Christ. And so we thank you this morning. And as the worship team leads us into one more song of expression of worship, let praise arise in your hearts this morning. Let, let, let there be a, a shifting in the spiritual dimensions of your life through the power of hope and through the power of praise as we just stand together and just worship the living God this morning. Can we do that? Can we just stand together? Thank you.